Welcome to Comfortable Place on the Couch, a short-run podcast exploring every Midnight Oil album in the year of their Great Circle Tour. My name is Darren Folds, and in the upcoming months, I'll be spinning every Midnight Oil studio album from my comfortable couch, as well as taking a listen to some of their EPs, live recordings, and video releases. Joining me each episode is my longtime friend and fellow Midnight Oil enthusiast, Robin Harbrin. Greetings, Mr. Harbrin. Well, hello there, Mr. Folds. How are you doing this evening? Well, I've been enjoying watching the Goat Island concert. Yeah. The Oils on the Water, I believe is the official name. And that's the first time that I've ever seen it. In its entirety. In its entirety, yes. I I did admit a couple episodes back that I snuck a, a sneak peek at Sleep. And there was one other track that I took a bit of a look at, too. Yes. In in research for album work. Of course. So, this is a look at a concert. A video release concert type thing. Not an album yes. exploration. Different than usual. We also did a lot less research about this album if we can confess well, yeah, that exactly and like really what kind of research are we going to do maybe we'll find out like why they did the concert or something like that but these are all songs that we're we're used to that we've already yeah taken a, a thorough listening through in the previous weeks in the studio versions exactly yeah, and now just just now you and i sat down and watch the whole thing. I've watched the show a few times before, but it's been at least a few years since I last watched it. So, so it was uh, somewhat new for you too. There was some fresh, fresh perspectives on it. So, oils on the water. Nice evening in Sydney. It felt 1985. Like we, felt like we were there. Felt just like we were there. Yep. Not as big of a crowd as I was expecting. Looking out, thinking, oh, that's several hundred. Yeah, I think it was a logistics thing. Probably, uh, eh? Getting them all out there. Yeah, and I'm not sure that they had that much more room of actual, like, space for people hmm. to stand. Right. Uh, given what's on the island. I was also, because I'm kind of a, a numbers nerd, yep. I had noted that this is exactly half of Peter Garrett's lifetime ago. He's now 64, where we right. just saw him in Toronto. Yes, sometime in 2017 when we're recording this. Yeah, and so in 1985, well, of course, I think this was January 1985, so he might have been 31, but 30, close enough, basically 32 years ago, uh, and so he would have been 32. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat, eh? I, much younger I man those, than I am now. Yes, that's right. He's a dozen years younger than than us. First thing I noticed was baby Jim Magini. Jim is Jim is a tiny, skinny, nerdy guy. Little boy. And it was noticeable that the camera dwelt on him the least, uh, I think. Yeah. Uh, the camera really did give him less time. He he just did seem to be this kind of nerdy guy. Standing uh, there in his draft shirt, his draft print shirt. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it wasn't a draft print shirt, but at first I thought it was. This yeah. Paisley thing going on. And it was also nice to when we saw Jim uh, during his years with, during the break, uh, with the band The Break. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he put on a few pounds and uh, gr- grown his hair and looked kind of... Showing his age a bit? Showing his age a not, bit. Not quite the baby Jim that we see here. No, but now back on stage live, he's actually, uh, I don't 
diet and exercise or whatever, but he got himself back into fighting form. Oh, yeah. He looked great For out the there. world tour. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. So good for you, Jim. I, I hope it's not rude for me to talk about, you know, the, the impressive thing is that he's uh, really, I think, committed to pulling off the whole tour. Yeah. Great circle. be remiss if we didn't mention all the fun pink jumpsuits there. that are going on especially that mustachioed trumpet player with the scalloped pink <laughs> jumpsuit what was going on with that horn section Man, there yeah the, the one guy looked like he was just in his long underwear like <laughs> canadian you know like yeah like the t- stereotypical yep. full body long underwear with the little button drawers <laughs> yeah, so you can the drawers yeah <laughs> do your business without taking off and then and uh, the sixth member of the band for this gig was doing stuff like extra percussion and oh, yeah. so on yeah, behind big, Jim. Yes. Uh, he, he played the, he, I think he was setting off some of the samples for one of the yeah, songs. Yeah, and he had a great big uh, drum, marching like, drum, marching drum. But the tight, but short he wore these tiny little short. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, thanks. We want it to look like a bass drum that has its own legs. You know, kind of like in a cartoon. <laughs> and if that's what they were going for. Yeah, they did I it. think they achieved it quite nicely. Yep. The well, extra drummer well with the Jailbird mini shorts. <laughs> did he get credited? He got credited. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder not, what he was credited as. as. <laughs> okay. Oh. Anyway, we're here. For the fashion commentary, not yeah. for the music. Sorry about that, guys. Oh, something else I did notice is Rob is playing Ludwig drums. Mm. Now, often I've seen pictures of him playing his sonar kit. Yeah. And I didn't even bother to try to figure out what he was playing in Toronto. Next concert. But yeah, he's playing some Ludwigs this time around. He's got a bunch of his Simmons pads up there. Oh, and we even noticed at the at the end when he, he had dumped his cup of water. Like, I remember last yes. time when we were talking, we were talking the, about how Boy Toy did it. Yes. And Rob didn't. But and that's the Keith Moon around. trick, isn't it? Isn't it yeah, the Keith it's, Moon it's thing? Yeah, it's a standard drummer yeah. trick. But it looked like he had water on his... Uh, yeah, even electronic, electronic drums, drums, drums there. there. Yeah. Like, that's not so good for them. You wouldn't think so. Maybe no. he's got like tons of black gaffer tape on them, just like he's got on his cowbell there to keep it in place. Yeah. Who knows? So lots of fun. It was a really upbeat set that they played. Yeah, and even turning some songs uh, into much faster versions of what we're used to yeah. from the studio. Yeah, which is a very common oils thing. Sure, but it was uh, it was very notable. Yeah, um, I think in particular we noticed you were talking about uh, what was it that you didn't appreciate too much. No, because uh, it lost the the yeah power in the groove power in the passion. Oh yeah, yeah. They went, in my opinion, they went too fast with that, and rather than the bass having this 
great groove that has on the mm-hmm. on the album recording. Mm-hmm. It almost sounded like Giffo was playing in response to the beat, like his just the feel yeah. of it really changed. It was still kind of a, you know, I'm not saying it ruined the song, but really fundamentally changed it. Hmm. Not just, oh, here's a more energetic, passionate version. Like, for example, yep. sometimes when they play it live, not in this concert, yeah. but sometimes became so much more of a powerful song. I think like the Bones version of yep. it from yep. uh, the, the Exxon Oil show, oh, the yeah, New York yeah. Yeah. show in 1990, there's an example of a song where the live version uh, got imp- improved hugely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. I want to touch on live versions, improving studio versions, but I want to kind of speak a little bit to the bass groove happening okay, in Pound sure. Passion too. It sounded fast. It sounded different. Yeah, it wasn't as groovy at the beginning. I was wondering maybe if it was a volume kind of thing as well, or maybe that had something to do with it. But did you find that after the drum break... Yeah. They seemed to kind of get it all back together, yeah, and it the, sounded good. Yeah, the, the groove came back a bit better after the drum solo, and yeah. so it's interesting. So is it almost like Rob just started them a bit too fast, and yeah. they didn't recover, or was it a planned thing? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, I don't think it was a volume thing, because even though the bass was a little low in the mix... I, was, I thought it was really low. Yeah, right. I, I was totally tuned into it. Like, I was yeah. I was hearing the bass. And, and so for me, it was really the rhythm of it that I was picking mm. up on, not just yeah. that it was a bit low in the mix. All right. The other, the other song that we noticed that they were playing substantially differently was Harrisburg. Yeah. And all for the better, in my opinion. Yeah, it was a it was a really fun version of it. Yeah, basically they took uh, the groove from Jimmy Sharman's boxers, kind of. Um, yeah, it had a similar feel. The similar kind of rhythm guitar. They dropped the the dirge feel. Mm-hmm. There was still the breath stuff, but only at the beginning and the end. And the whole middle of the song, the main meat of the song, yep. was uh, was this. I don't know. In my opinion, vastly improved. Yeah, yeah. It was it was much more rocky. Um, a lot more piano focus. Yeah, piano and, and that kind riffy of riffy guitars. Yeah, and that kind of police uh, guitar yeah. that we've I think mentioned in the previous yep. show. Yeah, um, that kind of delayed shortened clean the length sound. of the song. Yeah, it and, like. and they did make it shorter. They yeah. kept in. The Muppets and the Ewoks. Yeah, uh, the Muppets made an appearance at the beginning, and by yeah. Muppets we mean meep 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 meep. Me. So here's a question for you: the difference between a live performance and the album performance. Should a live performance replicate? the album as close as it can i i used to think so and i would get annoyed by uh <laughs> i think actually i probably got yeah. annoyed was when i first heard some uh midnight oil performances live yeah before i got 
um, Webb's live recordings. Yeah, before you actually saw them in concert being yeah, played yourself. His rants would actually bother me a little bit, like okay. his ad libs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not intensely, but it sometimes it would take me out of yeah, the song. I don't need that. But when you see the Oils actually playing it live, mm-hmm. like or at least I appreciate the spontaneity of it. Mm-hmm. Mixing things up. Yeah. I think they did improve a few songs. Harrisburg in particular, but I think maybe a few songs were improved. Even Kosciuszko had more of more of a intensity behind it than yeah. it had on the album, and I thought that was for the better as well. So part of what I think about when I'm listening to the album is, you know, what is the essence of the song? Something to think about as I'm listening to live music and as I'm listening to the studio recordings and thinking how they kind of develop the song over time is, you know, does the essence of the song come from working it and playing it live and, you know, just developing it with the band? Does it become the definitive version when you lay it down on a record where, where do you say this is the song? Yeah, or does the song just exist and flow depending on the, the context that it's performed in or yeah, listened to in? It's difficult. Like both, both you and I have done recording of mm-hmm. our own songs that we've yeah. written. Um, and so it is difficult sometimes to know how, when you put, when you record it, you're making this kind of permanent fixed record of the song. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can't change it anymore. Mm-hmm. But once you do that, you've set so much like there. It's almost like if, if you sit down and write a song with an acoustic guitar, you've yeah. got, you write your lyrics. Of course, there's all kinds of choice, but here's your lyrics. Here's your melody. Here's your chords. Even then you're so far away from a final recorded product. Yeah. Cause you have infinite choices still oh, sure. for instrumentation yeah. and sounds and rhythm there there's so much to it even if you're just recording it yourself even but with, yeah you bring it to the band and yeah. get their input and say hey i need a bridge at this point yeah and then the band can choose you can try to keep shaking things up or you can just do what you always do mm-hmm. uh, what comes naturally sometimes what comes naturally is good yeah uh, but there's other times that that it gets tired and then you're trying to find what's a way of shaking this up. What's a new, keep things interesting for yourself as you're playing the same songs over and over, over a multi-week tour, perhaps. That's right. And then the same thing over your career, like how many hundreds, thousands of times have they played beds? Yeah. You know, that that's right. And it also comes when you come to cover a song, like the oils have done Mm -hmm. some fantastic covers in their career. Any musician probably ends up playing some covers do you try to sound as much like the band and like their studio recording? Yeah. Or what do you bring to the song? And uh, I were you probably were thinking about that as you're doing your cover, your oils cover for the project that's coming up later on the fall. And I've yeah. been thinking about that even in choosing a song. You know, I really like this song, but I can't play it like the oils. Will I record it in a way that is just my take on it? Or will I pick a different song that I can try to stay a little bit more truer to the recording yeah of it. yeah that's right or if you're a musician who you know where your strengths are mm-hmm. can you take whatever that essence of the song is 
and play it as well as possible in your style. Yeah, do it your way. Do it your way yeah. and see maybe some people like that. And you can't see me. Maybe we can talk just uh, about a few of the songs that were kind of highlights for sure. us in the set without like going through everything. Okay. Um really liked Only the Strong. Yeah. From this one, starting off with the with the mallets on the gong there. Yeah. Oh, which brings to mind, of course, no no water tank. Yeah. The... At this point in the oil career, they haven't gone out back, so they haven't found the tank to bring on on tour with them and yeah, to play is, with. Is that right? Is is that where the water tank was found? I'm like, pretty sure. Yeah. They, yeah. They actually picked it up on that tour. Okay. That's right. So this is actually not all that long before. They went out into the outback. Yeah, this, this has is, been a year or so before. Did they even do some of that tour in '85? Like, I know the album was recorded in '86, released. Yeah, maybe they, maybe they would have. Eh? Yeah, yeah, but but that's right. Anyway, it's this is approaching that time. Yeah, it might be a year out. It might yeah. be six or nine months. It's funny. I was watching the Black Fellow, White Fellow because I'm I'm reading Strict Rules right now. I thought, oh well, I might as well watch Black Fellow, White Fellow. It's only like a half an hour or so long, so they're playing power and the passion and i was noticing when they were playing it on the concert today no one goes out back that's that but on the black fellow white fellow tour no one goes out back except the oils i really like uh, the full deep sound that they brought to only the strong really fast Dancing Pete, swirling and twisting and yeah. robot dancing all over the stage. Lots that, of fun. That's right. Like at, at age 32, perhaps he was slowed down a little. But yeah, you could you could tell at times lots of energy. Oh yeah, and lots of climbing up on that. That was power and the passion that okay. he was climbing up was that on. The yeah. lighting, is that like a lighting rig? Or yeah, something the, he climbed up that up? scaffold. Some and scaffold, and yeah. was like short shorts man up there. Somebody was up there. <laughs> There's somebody up there with shorts. him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of energy. Oh, yeah, and I remember I, one of the songs asking you, oh, he's he's like climbing over one of the railings or down the back corner of the stage or something like that. Oh, does Pete fall off something in this concert? Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, he didn't. Yeah, that was good. especially fall into the water there. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed Short Memory a lot, too. At the beginning, I was saying, oh, is this another Chapman Stick song? Nope. Just but it's got the, a lot of bass chorus going on. The chorus came back on the bass with, with a vengeance. was the the little keyboard that that jim was playing there you were thinking maybe it was a mellotron yeah the mellotron or something yeah. like that yeah and, that, was, uh, that was neat and he had some really neat cool rising key riffs towards the end of the song Yeah, he had a fair bit of fun with his keys at times. Um, like like I was saying, we didn't see a lot of him overall no. in the footage, but he was there at his keyboards. It looked like yep. he had four or five of them oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, doing his thing. It was good. Little, a funny little quote there, Bye Bye Bear, yeah. in that song. I guess talking 
about Andrew James? Seems a bit late for him to be doing that. Yeah. But maybe. Yeah. Know, maybe he was there in the crowd. I, yeah. Bye bye, bear. I see you wandering off. See ya. Yeah. I he was, he was done. He's taking the first boat <laughs> yeah. back. The last, the last song that I put a check mark beside that I, I really enjoyed was Read About It. That was the last song before the end of the set. And then, of course, they had the encore after that. Yeah. But tons of energy behind that one. Uh, Pete's dancing like a wild man. You've got the, the the folks coming up on stage for this one. Yeah, that that's right. There's a couple guys. There's the real beefy guy with the... Uh, with the glasses. With the singlet and the thick glasses. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and they have a lot of fun. And... Well, yeah, and, and then stand in line, like in the encore... Oh, like there's sorry, like two yeah, or three when, guys come up on stage for that one, and that's yeah. when the when the when the beefy guy sings right, for along. Right, stand in line, yeah. yeah. But Pete's for read about it. Pete's down in the crowd at one point. Yes, and people are singing into the mic with him, but they're right. keeping a respectful diff- distance from him. Like there's there's no barricade between the crowd and the stage yeah, or anything. I, I the the cynicism says like so the the film director ordered those people okay you guys you come here oh yeah don't cross this line that kind of it seemed genuine to me though yeah yeah good yeah i'm glad fooled me yeah (laughs) yeah so it was a lot of fun i i enjoyed watching the concert it wasn't life-changing for me yeah there's a lot of build-up to this kind of thing oh man it's fantastic but it kind of got me thinking about the whole idea of how something like this would be important in an oils fan who experienced it live or it was part of kind of their formation of their conception of of who the oils are and how they took it in and because i've got like this solid i know who i think they are i know how i experienced them and i've done it without this concert this concert was fun to watch and listen to but it doesn't have the impact on me that like, I'm really looking forward to watching the Exxon concert that you mentioned actually a few minutes ago. Yeah. I'm looking forward to watching that again because that was kind of part of my formation of my oils journey. Like, yeah. that was that it happened, even though I didn't see it when it was going on. I got it that year and it was just part of everything that was coming into me, oils wise, and building me up. So, to me, that's an important type of concert. Oils on the water, not so much, still quite enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw it also later it wasn't until uh this dvd release um i guess in the mid 2000s whenever mm-hmm. it was yep. that that i first saw it so i've only seen this for maybe 10 years or something like that and as good as watching the oils on dvd is it's it's nothing like seeing them yeah we just saw them down in toronto recently even though it was 32 years after this that was a much better experience than watching the Goat Island DVD. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Being, there Being there with the band <laughs> yeah. six feet from you yes. <laughs> is a different experience than watching a seminal concert performance from Goat Island. Yeah. I'll take the Toronto concert. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It'd probably be fantastic if I was at the concert, but I wasn't. Yeah. So. It even seemed that the crowd was pretty subdued. Um the first part of it was filmed during daylight. Yeah. Maybe it was a continuous concert. Uh, I think it was. Broadcast live. I think it was. But there was definitely this transition from the broad daylight mm-hmm. to the very dark yep. uh, nighttime. Used to really good effect in uh, for that big pause and read about it. Yeah, and read about it. Yeah, yeah. just like 
shut off all yeah, the lights it, to the stage. Yes. Nothing coming complete. through the PA. <laughs> and what, 15 seconds of oh, silence or something? super duper, and then yeah. boom, yeah. straight back into it. Sure. Uh, base a bit uh stand in line so so Gif- giffo really gets to shine with his uh with his base work and stand in line yep uh he gets the the total spotlight at the beginning of the song there yeah, yeah. After that, that's when uh, Bones joined in only uh, two years later, a year and a half. Yeah, they did Species, they did Diesel and Dust, and then Bones was there. And then Bones was there, yeah. And uh, Stan and I dropped right out because uh, he just wasn't playing that. But but this is the thing that Selena's here in 2017. Established that Bones can play that Bones can play it. He still didn't go crazy, go nuts like like Giffo does in this. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good to have the song back in the catalog. Any thoughts about Chapman Stick? Yeah, so the Chapman Stick was good to to see. Oh yeah, I I was corrected in the powder the powder workers that uh, in fact Giffo does sing and play Stick together. Okay, and that was a uh, false memory of mine. I, oh, apparently, uh, yeah. <laughs> you could see that. I guess the plane drops down a little bit during those singing part. He's doing the one repeating riff then. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it was good to see Giffo and the Stick. Mm-hmm. And with that, it's time to eject the DVD from the player snap it back into that funny case that it belongs in and say goodnight until next time when we'll be listening to the oils extended play species to species from 1985 on comfortable place on the couch a midnight oil podcast you can subscribe to comfortable place on the couch wherever you find podcasts and you can get in touch with us on the twitter at darren the folds and at robin harbrin Show notes are online at darrenfolds.com slash podcasts. So, for Robin Harbin, I'm Darren Folds. Good night. Good night. Truganini. Yeah.